also I think family law is more um, is broader than some people realise. So there's often, you know, the property, so there's landlord implications. And if there's a business in the family, then there's all sorts of company law and business law implications. It's really just sort of span into different areas. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Student Lawyer podcast series. Whether you're at school, sixth form, university, thinking about a career in law, or exploring law careers, you're in the right place. We are the one-stop shop for student lawyers. If you'd like to join the student lawyer as a writer, please email hello at thestudentlawyer.com. This podcast is brought to you by Feed Ignite. Welcome to the Student Lawyer Podcast Series. My name's Camilla and I'm an LPC student and future trainee solicitor. Today I'm joined by Annie Joseph. Annie recently qualified as a family law solicitor after training at a top 100 UK law firm. Annie also runs a family law blog which you can find at www.matrimonial-matters.com. Annie and I are going to be discussing what it's like to be a family law solicitor and her journey to qualifying, so make sure you stick around for that. But before we hand over to Annie, please can I remind you to subscribe to the podcast, but that's enough from me. Welcome to the Student Lawyer Podcast, Annie, it's great to have you here. Hi Camilla, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to do this today, so... Awesome. Yeah, (laughs) it'll be good. Great, well we've got a few questions to uh, cover today, so the first one I want to kick off with is when and why did you decide to become a solicitor? Yeah, such a good question. Um, It was quite early on for me, so I always knew that I liked arguing. (laughs) I enjoyed a good debate, Um, like Christmas at my house was always arguing over politics and things, um, and I enjoyed the sort of intellectual challenge of that not um and then my grandmother my nan was actually a solicitor so she dealt with um education law um and there are a couple of times that I'd she'd be go to pick me up and I'd sort of sit in her office sort of being nosy and asking loads of questions to everyone who worked there and this little kid like what are you doing <laughs> so from there I just developed more of an interest in it I did some work experience when I was at school um, and enjoyed it and then as I was doing my A-levels I thought yeah I'm definitely going to apply to go and do law at university so that's what I did and it just kind of went from there I guess I just started doing more and more work experience where I could and um, decided that yeah I wanted to be a solicitor and well finally like yeah it's it's not something you can do overnight is it no it's not it is a bit of a slog but you get there and when you do it it is worth it but yeah it's not um it's not an easy career (laughs) for sure brilliant well congratulations on on recently qualifying anyway um so I can see from your blog and, and everything you sort of put on um, LinkedIn that you're extremely passionate about family law and I did a little bit of snooping as well and I could see that you wrote your dissertation on on family law um, at university so does that mean you've always known family law was for you? I didn't actually I really enjoyed it um and sort of at uni sort of family criminal and sort of medical ethics were my favourite modules so I always liked things that were about 
people um i found yeah. the sort of more commercial subjects a bit dry uh, no offense to any commercial or corporate lawyers out there but i had to find like the people in the case law to to be interested in it um so i think that's kind of where that stemmed from and then i did do some work experience and i really enjoyed it and so when i joined for Anstey they didn't actually offer a family seat at the time but I got in contact with a partner and I was like I'd really like to try family law um I think it'd be something I really enjoy so they made a family seat for me and I just loved it um I liked that I got to go to court quite a lot because in a big commercial firm actually when you do sort of disputes or litigation you don't actually get that many cases going to court because they settle um whereas with family I was sitting behind barristers all the time so that was something I found really interesting um I liked having a lot of client contact um and that was something I really liked about family as well because um you know you sort of become a bit like although you're a professional advisor you sort of become like a friend to people because obviously it's deeply personal stuff they're telling you so you do really make a connection with your clients and I did enjoy that about it um I liked employment too and for a while I wasn't sure whether it would be employment or family um because I was sort of making up my mind thinking when qualification was looming like oh my god what kind of lawyer am I <laughs> what kind of lawyer do I want to be if I grow up I'm not sure <laughs> eventually I found that over the lockdown I was furloughed and I found myself picking my family law books up again and that wasn't something I ever did with employment or any of the other areas so I thought actually yeah I, I definitely do want to do family so that's what I went for on qualification and um in a weird sort of way, it's actually booming at the moment because of the lockdown. Um, so kind of was a good time for me to go into it. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it, it worked out. But I wasn't, I didn't know from the beginning, but I always knew it was something I, I enjoyed. Yeah, well, I can kind of echo that. I mean, I, I remember studying family law on the LLB which was a while ago now, but um, yeah, I do remember finding it really interesting. And I, I see what you mean by the the human element. Um, I also thought it was really interesting how you carved out your career by actually, um, you know, contacting a partner and, and making that own seat for yourself. So I think that's, that's a really, yeah, a really great tip for any of our listeners out there who maybe want to kind of definitely. I think um, it's important to be somewhat open-minded, but there's, um, either in expressing an interest, you know, if there is something you really do, then just sort of reach out to someone and say, hi, I'd like the experience in this. So I, for most of my seats was quite open. I let them choose whatever. I was like, yeah, I'm happy to do construction and property, but family was something where I kind of put my foot down and was like, no, this is something (laughs) I do want to try, please. So I was lucky that they accommodated that. That's great. I noticed from your profile that you've been described by Barrister, who's now a deputy district judge, as someone who is well suited to family law. Um, now, I just wondered what you think that means. What makes a person well suited to family law? Do you think there's a certain skill set that family law solicitors need? Yeah, I do. I think um, it's a lot of the more soft skills that are important in family law like obviously your clients want you to know the law and to be good at the law that's kind of a given but I think what kind of separates the good family lawyers is those who are personable who can build a good relationship with their clients um you've got to have quite a good level of emotional intelligence 
Um, because often what is driving your clients isn't the sort of rational kind of considerations you'd have in other areas of law. It's very emotional. Um, you know, this, and once you understand what drives your clients, you can kind of help advise them and steer them in the right direction. I mean, they might want to fight a certain issue, but it's just not practical or reasonable or even, you know, commercially appropriate for them to do so. So I think once you kind of understand why it might be, so things like um, personal belongings can get quite emotional, trying to divide things like that. So once you kind of understand that, I think it helps them for you to be able to advise them um, better. So, yeah, I think it's just kind of all the kind of social and um, uh, sort of like emotional skills that some people I think forget that are really important in a lawyer. I think some people have a like an idea of a lawyer just sort of sitting behind their computer and in their law books. Um, and that's, that's not what, what it's about in family law. Yeah. I suppose you really have to understand people, don't you? Like you said, people might have certain attachments to certain items that, you know, from an objective point of view, someone might think, oh, you know, why are they so worried about this? Whatever it is. But actually you need to have that real emotional intelligence and awareness and and, and to be able to communicate with effectively with a client as well. Definitely. I think it can be easy for some people to be quite dismissive, you know, like, for goodness sake, like it's, it's a teapot or whatever. <laughs> but to that person, it might not be. It might be a wedding gift or an heirloom or, you know, there's a sentimental significance. So even though you need to kind of tell them it is a teapot, you know, it's not worth <laughs> fighting about this, you, you do also kind of understand, need to understand where they're coming from so that you can relay that in a, in a nicer way, I guess. Yeah. help them understand why you're telling them this instead of just telling them that and do you think there are any misconceptions about family law that you'd like to dispel to our listeners today yeah I do I think um there's a lot of misconceptions that um family lawyers can be quite nasty and <laughs> that they cannot that they always want to play hardball and they want to take everything to court and be litigious um and that's not the case actually there's a real shift to family lawyers wanting to be more collaborative that's why you see a lot of family lawyers were supporting the sort of no fault divorce bill that they brought recently for, for a lot of family lawyers understand that a lot of the time it's in the client's best interest to reach a settlement if they can um so that's one of the main ones the other one is um around cohabitation a lot of people think that there's something called a common law marriage so that if you're sort of living together with someone for a long time the court will view you as married and that's just not true so you get quite a lot of people who've lived together for a long time maybe sort of didn't contribute to the mortgage or reach an agreement as to what would happen with the house and then they separate and they think that they've got a lot more protection than they do and there are ways around it you can make um you can make applications through trust law as I'm sure you know if you, you did family but it, it it's not quite as straightforward there so that is one thing that I'm constantly having to tell people there is no common law marriage and the other one is that people think that if you get divorced your um financial obligations are severed um, and that's not true. You either need to get a consent order from the courts to deal with the finances or you need to enter into something like a separation agreement or deed of separation. But um, I'm seeing quite a lot of people who 10 years later now are coming up to me and saying, oh, well, 
I thought we just got divorced and that was it. But now my ex has come out of the woodwork and wants to claim money from the house from 10 years ago. And I'm like, well, yeah, because you didn't tie it up at the time. So they, they can do that. So, um, yeah, there's quite a few, really. Um, and I think the media doesn't help because, you know, you see quite a lot of legal dramas. Yeah. And um, some of them are fairly accurate. But like Keeping Faith um, was one that always annoyed me because I just thought, that would never happen you know <laughs> so I think people like to dramatize lawyers but a lot of the time it's not quite as glamorous as they're making out and it's um not accurate but yeah right. <laughs> it's like fair I'm always watching these shows like that wouldn't happen <laughs> yeah no I can imagine actually um it's quite frustrating or yeah. just want to yeah. write in write an email excuse me excuse me <laughs> I think my mum my mum's a nurse and she'll watch something like casualty and be like no they wouldn't do that so yeah I think I think a lot of fields are like it but yeah I do get quite yeah. worried when I see some people <laughs> perpetuating these myths I think now I'm gonna have to explain to a client that what happened on Coronation Street is right so do you, do you get clients coming in saying that oh you know I, I saw this is my understanding of the law and it's sort of based on the media sometimes yeah you yeah. Know, and it is you know obviously you can tell them and sort of educate them a little bit on some of it and it's hard isn't it because law is quite a um tricky subject in some areas but yeah there are quite a lot of myths out there that I just think it would be so much easier if the media didn't like a lot of clients believe that um mothers are favored in children proceedings and that's more maybe you know 30 40 years ago but now that's not the case so you see quite a lot of um sexist views that you have to dispel like because you'll see quite often in the media like all these you know dads for justice and I, and I get it and and that was wrong but times have changed so yeah that can be quite important to let clients know don't worry you know the judges aren't allowed to be biased about your gender so that, that yeah to happen and what do you like most about being a solicitor Ooh. Good question. Um, I like that I can finally write solicitor in my emails. <laughs> but um, apart from that, I um, I just enjoy when you help a client through a difficult time. Um, and when I think the best part for me is when I get a really lovely piece of feedback from a client or someone will say oh you know you really helped me through this um I think that's the best because divorce and um family law it can be such an emotional time in someone's life so um to be able to help someone even just sort of even aside from the law just sort of emotionally I think is really rewarding definitely I can imagine that um because it's you know family law does affect people's lives so deeply um you must really be sort of relieving some stress and and worry for them so that's awesome and also I think family law is more um is broader than some people realize so there's often you know there's a property so there's landlord implications and if there's a business in the family then there's all sorts of company law and um business law implications it's it really does sort of span into different areas and you know if a couple gets divorced you need to sometimes advise them to, to get up to get a will in the meantime so there's all sorts of um 
connections to different areas and I quite enjoy that sometimes because I, I might need to go and speak to the property department and say yeah no I've got a sort of tricky what do I do with this on the title and things like that so I, I quite like that every case is different as well and um, there's also quite a lot of crossover from the other areas of law so I find that quite awesome yeah I didn't realize that that's uh, definitely interesting to know um yeah for anyone who's considering family law it's, it's good to sort of sh- share the message that you know it is a very varied um practice area that's good so I just want to move on to your education now because I noticed again from looking at your LinkedIn page that you excelled at university and at sixth form um you achieved one of the highest A-level results during at, at your sixth form college and some of the highest marks in your year during university which is so impressive do you have any tips for achieving high marks that you can share with our listeners? Yeah, I'm blushing now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, um, I, I what I learned at university is actually to sort of treat it like a full-time job. Because um, I found that I got into a place at university where you can kind of go down a rabbit hole. You think you need to stay up at all hours of the night. Um, and it's really counterproductive because you need to look after your mental health too. So, um I kind of then got into a pattern where I'd go to the library at nine, say, have my lunch at a usual time that you'd have lunch in an office and then go home at sort of five and, and, and do nothing else and sort of relax, have a bath, you know, maybe go to the gym. Back in the days when I went to the gym <laughs> before coronavirus and office life. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it is important to, you know, be consistent and study, but it's also important to look after your mental health because if you get yourself in a place where you're really anxious, you're you're not going to do your best because you've got too much else going on. So I think looking after yourself is one of the most important and then not being afraid to follow up with a teacher or a lecturer. If there's something you don't understand, it's really important to flag it up so that you know going into all the exams that you've understood every possible question that can come up to the best of your ability. I think sometimes it's quite tempting to just think, oh, I don't really understand that particular bit, but maybe it won't come up and I'll just focus on <laughs> the, the bits of the course. I do I've that. never done that. <laughs> I used to do that all the time. Um, so, yeah, just, you know, making sure that you're confident that you spend time on the things that might be quite tricky and you don't enjoy as much rather than just learning the things you do like. <laughs> sure. Yeah, it can be so tempting, can't it, to just focus on the bits you're already good at and like yeah. put the others right in a like in a mess. EU or, law. I never wanted to touch EU law because I'd be like, well, I don't really like it, so I'll just pick up my family book or my criminal book <laughs> instead. Yeah. But yeah, you've you've got to focus on the things that you you don't enjoy so much, possibly even more than the things you do because. Yeah, that's great advice. And I think it is important, isn't it, not to kind of get into that habit where you're sort of going to bed late, up all hours of the morning, then you sleep in and then it just becomes like a vicious cycle. Oh, yeah. Um, And you're just living off energy drinks and biscuits. And yeah, I've done it. But (laughs) I found I did so much better when I actually just relaxed and, you know, just switched off at a sensible time and like actually went to bed so yeah there is definitely something to be said for looking after yourself while doing exams because it does make a big impact thank you for sharing that and and so what was your um journey like to securing a training contract um and do you have any advice for listeners who might be applying or thinking about applying at the moment 
Yeah, definitely. My advice would be quality over quantity. Don't apply by numbers because I remember being in uni in sort of first year and second year and people would be like, oh, I've made like 50 applications and, and that's great, but you, you're never going to have the time to, to do tailored good applications of that many numbers. So I think if you do less and you focus on them and you really research into that particular firm, then you're more likely to be successful. Um, the other thing is, I think, really think about the kind of firm you really want to train at. So um, for me personally, I never really wanted to move to London because just London just stresses me out a bit. No offence to anyone who lives in London. I'd love to go there for the weekend, but I just couldn't imagine myself on the tube every day because I'm from like a small village in Wales and I've lived in Devon now for like eight years. It just wasn't me. <laughs> so I kind of knew early on that I'd be sort of targeting like the Southwest firms. And I think that really helped me to focus. Um, I think getting as much experience as you can helps. So I got my TC on my third year of applying. So I started applying in second year, didn't really get anywhere. And then I applied in third year and I got to sort of the assessment centre stages, but I didn't didn't get the training contract which is sometimes even more annoying because you're like I got all the way I got almost there and it was the big reach but I didn't quite get it and then I took a year out to paralegal and I remember saying to myself I'm, I'm just going to have this year just to focus on getting all the experience I can um, and then sort of towards the summer of that year I made all my applications and then I luckily managed to get my training contract with Fertility um, and they um, sponsored my LPC, which was great. So I'm, you know, was really grateful for all that. Um, but I think it just, just don't be afraid to reach out to people as well. Um, you'd be surprised how many people in the profession have been where you are and know how difficult it is to get work experience and are really willing to say, yeah, come and shadow me for a day or come and shadow me for a week. So I've reached out to barristers in the past and solicitors and just kind of said. I just have some work experience and all these little things just add up um, and they give you a better understanding of what being in a law firm is like. Because I found like when I first started applying to training contracts, I didn't know what I was talking about. You know, they ask you those situational times of like when was a time you dealt with a difficult customer and I'd be like, well, when I worked in Weatherspoons, this lady was fuming because we ran out of hammock and chips and, you know, it, that is dealing with a difficult customer, but it's not a very good answer for um, working in a law firm. So I, I think, yeah, just the more experience you can get and the more you sort of put yourself out there, it's daunting. And I know the rejection is rubbish because I've got a, an inbox full of them from the past. But, you know, just just pick yourself up, keep going and just keep putting yourself out there, I think, is what I would advise. Definitely, I completely echo that. I think um, if you can show that you've been really proactive, because, you know, it's not easy to get work experience. No. Um, so I suppose thinking outside of the box, like you say, contacting people just shows that you're number one, proactive, and number two, um, dedicated to becoming a solicitor or a barrister, really, doesn't it? Absolutely. And things like volunteering. So when I was at uni, there was, I think it still exists, the PSU, the Personal Support Unit, yeah. um, in the court. So you could go in and give sort of um, support to litigants in person who were facing court that day, whether it was a housing issue or a family issue, and they didn't have a solicitor, but you could just give them some information of 
what the core process would be like and help them. Um, and I, just little things like that, I think it all builds up transferable skills, like just dealing with people and, you know, all the kind of things that you don't get from just reading a textbook. Um, so it all helps. So, yeah, the more proactive and the more creative you can be in getting experience, the better, I think. Brilliant. And so what was it like for you completing your training contract during the pandemic? Must have been, you know, a bit of shock. <laughs> yeah, it was hard. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It, was, um, it wasn't what you want <laughs> about to buy. So um, I was at my previous firm for Anstey and the job list came out in January. And um, sadly, my dad had a, a massive brain hemorrhage in January oh i'm sorry no it's okay he's he's alive he's um so you know we're lucky that he's still here but it it's had a big impact on our lives and i remember i'd been so stressed about this job list coming out of nq jobs and then suddenly when that happened it was kind of like doesn't really matter (laughs) like it does but Mm. find a job and i think when you're a trainee it kind of feels like the be all and end all, like I've got to get this perfect NQ job. And I actually just took a step back and thought, you know what? So I was sort of dealing with all that. And then obviously um, the sort of furlough scheme came around. So I was furloughed for just under three months, which I actually loved. (laughs) I think came at a good time for me because I really needed a break to just sort of focus on, my mental health and processing everything that had happened yeah yeah furlough was great but I did find when I came back it was really difficult because you're working remotely and whereas normally if you'd have a stupid question you just pop your head around see if the partner's busy and just be like can I ask you this really dumb question you couldn't really do that and although you could pick up the phone you couldn't tell how busy they were and you felt like you were interrupting so I think yeah learning to remote work as a trainee or as a junior was quite hard because um you just felt like am I being annoying here am I interrupting by asking this question um but I think everyone's adapted and the fact that we've been able to you know everyone who's qualified this year and pull through I think it makes us all the more resilient and um yeah it probably wasn't what any of us hoped for but got there in the end and I'm starting a new job on Monday so it all has kind of worked out and I think that would be my message to people who are worrying about it is that it will pan out how it's supposed to um I know it's really stressful at the time but I'm kind of a believer that things will work out how they were supposed to so if if you don't get the job then there might be a reason for that and then you'll get another job elsewhere so you know just I think keep some perspective although I know it's hard when you're going through it yeah that's I really love that that's my kind of motto for everything like everything happens for a reason I really feel like it does like sometimes if I don't get something I you know I'm super sort of upset about it at the time but then actually a few months down the line something else happens and you think oh well you know if I didn't if it wasn't rejected for that then this wouldn't have come along and yeah sort of like even itself out in the end I suppose my mum always says a saying, and I can't remember who originally said it, but she always says everything will be all right in the end. And if it's not all right, then it's not the end. And I like that because I'm like, yeah, you know, if things are a bit rubbish right now and everyone's struggling with their mental health right now, um, you know, it's not the end. and We'll get through it and then things will be OK. So, yeah, I do think it's tough for 
young lawyers right now but um we will we'll get through it and you know these kind of things sort of shape you into people and they are character building I kind of hate that saying but it's true <laughs> it makes you a stronger person so definitely um can you tell us a bit more about your blog I know that I sort of touched on it in the introduction um but yeah I'd love to know more about it why did you just decide to start it and what kind of articles do you do you have on your blog yeah, of course. Um, I actually need to do one soon because I've been thinking, I've been so caught up in sort of NQ life, I haven't done one for a while. Um, but I, it's about family law, basically. And the reason behind it was, A, I was furloughed and I wanted something sort of to do and to keep me up to date with the law. And B, um, I really enjoy writing anyway. So it's quite nice to have a little creative outlet. And C, I kind of felt like I wanted to make certain topics a bit more accessible. Um, so kind of feeding into there being misconceptions about family law, I kind of wanted to talk about some areas, sort of um, like my first one was on the grounds for divorce and no-fault divorce because a lot of people get confused about why do I have to blame the divorce on the other person, you know? Um, so it's just kind of talking through all kinds of areas about that. So um I've written a few now. The first one was on no-fault divorce, um, which has since become law. Uh, The second one was a domestic violence one, I think, because of the lockdown, there was quite a big surge in domestic abuse. um, And I want to sort of touch upon that and talk about quite a famous case of Sally Challen, who actually um, killed her abusive husband. So um, we're sort of talking about that. Um, my next one was on prenups <laughs> and prenuptial agreements and um, why there's been quite a big increase in those. And um, that one was quite controversial because I think some people have quite strong views about prenups and whether you should be, you know, going into marriage with the idea that it could end. But um, and the other one was just about sort of um, weddings in COVID and they're talking about reforming the wedding laws so that if we were to have another pandemic, you could get married by Zoom. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so the Law Commission have been sort of um, talking about that. So I just thought I'd that could be quite interesting. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of did it just as something to do in lockdown, but also a bit of profile raising. And um, I just really enjoy it. So I'm trying to keep it going, but I do need to make time for one soon because I haven't done one in a while. (laughs) Great. I find your articles really interesting. Um, So yeah, all the listeners go and check out her blog. Um, I'll leave a link to it in the description box. Um, But you mentioned profile building. And so I just want to touch on that a little bit. Um, I came across you on LinkedIn um, because I think you're quite active and you're all, you know, always posting, you know, really interesting um, snippets. So when did you start developing an online presence and um, what advice do you have for listeners who want to also do the same thing? Yeah, I would say that really it sort of came again from sort of lockdown, sort of March time, um, because before that I'd had it for years, but I never really used it. It was just kind of like a digital CV, I guess, and I didn't really do anything with it and I never really spoke out on it. And then I found that like in lockdown, there were quite a lot of trainees who were in a similar boat as me where they were worried about what was going to happen and things like furlough or qualification um so I started talking about that a bit more because I felt like well 
no one's really speaking up about it, but a lot of us are going through this time and it's a bit rubbish. So maybe if I start talking about it, we can have a bit of a dialogue about it and other people will realise, oh, yeah, I'm not enjoying this either. And, you know, just sort of start a conversation. And from there, I just try and post about things um, that I think are going on in the legal industry. Sometimes I talk about my personal life as well, because I think it's important for especially lawyers to show that they are human beings as well because you get quite a lot of people who just post the same stuff like it's just an article from their firm with no comment and and that's it and then they wonder why they don't get any engagement and it's like well because that's what everyone does you know you need to have an opinion and um, be personable so yeah I just think it's a really good tool and it's had a lot of opportunities for me and sort of job wise people have reached out to me on LinkedIn quite a lot and you know doing things like this like podcasts and um I've done quite a lot of sort of mentoring events and sort of joining speaking to students about experiences so um I think it's a really good tool and I'd like to see more junior lawyers use it because I feel like a lot of people are a bit scared to have an opinion online um, in case you know because we all see the horror stories of people who say you know ridiculous things online and end up getting into hot water but you know yeah. you're not outwardly like racist or sexist or you know, <laughs> you know the obvious things you're, you're not going to get into trouble for having an opinion so yeah I, I kind of think that more lawyers should be a bit more vocal on LinkedIn to be honest but uh, there's probably loads of people who find me annoying and wish I'd shut up but I'm not gonna so. <laughs> I'm sure that's not true um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, I think it was really interesting what you said about personal branding. I think that's going to be more and more important as we are moving to a more digital world and we're being forced to. So I think that you're right, you know, you're right. It's important to have an online presence. Um, I, I thought it was interesting that, you, that you've got people reaching out to you for um, events and, and jobs. So it just goes to show the power of LinkedIn, doesn't it? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And I think um, the more you do it, the more confident you get in doing it as well. And um, as we, as you say, as we go into a sort of more remote digital world, it'll yeah. be less about which law firm has got a flashy office and more about which law firm has got a good online presence, which lawyers have good online presences. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, we lawyers by their nature can be a bit hesitant to change but we just need to adapt so so true well that is the end of my questions which is I'm really sad about because this has been a great (laughs) chat um yeah it's been fantastic and I'm sure that many of the listeners will um have found the insight into family law and your journey really inspiring so thank you so much sharing thank you no thanks for having me it's been really good and I've really enjoyed chatting so hopefully others will find it interesting (laughs) yeah I'll leave a um, a link to your LinkedIn as well are you happy for the listeners to get in touch yeah of course um especially if it's anything to do with sort of work experience or family law I myself found that there wasn't many sorry there weren't many people who um were very passionate about family law online I found a lot of people in sort of commercial areas and corporate areas but I didn't really have many role models until I started practicing in family law so um, I think the more people with different specialisms that can be on vocal online the better so if anyone wants to ask me anything um, just yeah connect 
brilliant okay well thank you so much to all the listeners for tuning in and we'll see you next time thank you bye bye to hear more of the student lawyers podcast hit the subscribe button and leave us a star rating and review If you would like to join The Student Lawyer as a writer, please email hello at thestudentlawyer.com. We'd like to thank Felix Knight for producing this podcast today.